Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, Graceland Church. You can take your seat. We would love to welcome you here. Thank you, worship team, for blessing us today. If I don't know you yet, my name's Nathan. I'm honored to be our lead pastor here at Graceland Church. We're still celebrating all that God did on Easter Sunday. We saw people just encounter uh, the risen Christ in powerful and fresh ways. We got to pray with people who were calling on the name of the Lord and who were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I shared part one of a series called The Life You've Longed For, and I'm gonna share part two of that today. But before I get into it, I wanna celebrate with you a little bit. My wife, Jessica, and I, who you'll meet at the end of this service, we were just reflecting last week uh, on how very different our lives were personally four years ago. We had been in the Nashville area for just about four months, and we were brand new here. We had moved from Los Angeles, where we had pastored for eight years, to start a new church in Nashville. We had three daughters. Our son was on the way, so my wife was pregnant. We had left our security. So we were in one of those giant steps of faith, and we were just starting to build a church planting team, and we were building up to Easter Sunday with that brand new team in our living room in a little house up in Green Hills in Nashville that we were renting. And like a day or two days before that little Easter gathering, our first official one in the new Nashville area, one of our daughters got lice. Yes, and all the parents, your heart sinks. And we decided to let the team know who was coming over, what was happening, and we did our best to like treat all the kids clean the house, like deep clean, and then my wife quarantined in one room in our house with our three daughters while I sat at our living room table for our Easter gathering, and it was seven people. And we sat around the table and we shared communion, and we talked about the message of Jesus. And that team grew to about 40 people, about halfway into that first year here. And then God led us to merge with an incredible congregation of mostly spiritual grandmas and grandpas here at Graceland Church. Uh, that was meant in love, yeah. And we, <laughs> can all my seniors say amen? We immediately became a multi-generational church, as the church should be, and it was beautiful. And we began to grow together, and then we made it through COVID, and we made it through probably the most polarizing political season we've ever experienced, at least in my adult life, and we elected a new board, and we've been moving forward in health as a church. And last Sunday, Easter Sunday, exactly four years after my wife and I celebrated with seven people, we celebrated here with close to 300 people and like 80 plus kids worshiping in Graceland Church. Isn't that beautiful? Baptizing 12 people today, dreaming of what's next and getting our hopes up with great expectancy for what God will do here at Graceland Church. And by the way, the beautiful thing is not the amount of people that we can cram into rooms. The beautiful thing is the amount of people committed to God and one another as a church family that are rolling together through life. And so that's really the growth that we're celebrating here, healthy growth as a church family and people's lives being changed, and then we walk in commitment to each other. I hope you'll be a part of it. You're welcome to join us. I do wanna let you know about our first annual business meeting officially on June 5th at 5 p.m. right here in our sanctuary. Anyone's welcome to come to this. You'll hear a little bit about what's coming up in the future of our church, some of the details about the financial side, a report from last year. Anyone's welcome to it, but only members have voice and vote. 
We have certain elections and ratifications that happen. Um, if you'd like to become a member, just let me know or email us at Graceland, I'm sorry, Nathan at GracelandChurch.com or hello at GracelandChurch.com. And then the best way to connect, we already mentioned it, but Newcomers Connect is right on the screen. It's next Sunday, uh, right after second service. I'd love to, to meet you there. My wife, Jessica, is the master of celebrating every possible thing in our lives. And I was thinking about how she does that last week. And so I Googled in preparation for this sermon. This is what we do for, for as pastors. We Google strange things while we write sermons. I Googled strange celebrations. And I just want to give you a few things you can celebrate in the next few days in case you're, you're feeling a little dry. May 1st is Batman Day. Did anybody know that? It's official. Anybody here? Did anybody know that May 1st is Batman? Probably not. I had no idea. Probably a lot of you knew this one, May 4th, Star Wars Day. Of course, because may the fourth be with you. May 6th is no pants day. True. You got to stay home to celebrate that one. May 29th, I thought this was made up. Put a pillow on your fridge day. True story. The origins of put a pillow on your fridge day are unknown, but common wisdom, it's a stretch to call it wisdom, is that the holiday gives a modern day twist to the old tradition of putting linens in the pantry which brings good luck. So you can put a pillow on your fridge on put a pillow on your fridge day. I remember the first time Jessica walked up to me in one of those classic like husband and wife scenarios and she just kind of looked at me and she was like, do you know what today is? And I immediately was like, oh no, think through my dates. Kids' birthdays, anniversary, what is today? I can't, I, was like, I can't think of anything. I don't know what today is. And she said, you should know what today is, my dear husband. And I said, I have no idea. And she said, today is my half birthday. I was like, what? She celebrates her half birthday every year. Now all my kids celebrate their half birthday and we're expected to do special things on their half birthday. Half birthdays cost me money. We celebrate half anniversaries. My wife will celebrate the first day of the month. You know why? It's the first day of the month. She will celebrate everything. We actually have a lot of significant celebrations, real ones, in my opinion, this year in 2022, I think I've shared this before, but she turned 35 in March this year, which is a significant age. Novi will be our first teenager in August this year. We'll have our second kid in double digits in August. We'll have our 15 year anniversary uh, in May. I'll turn 40 in November and in December, we'll celebrate five years. Aren't you shocked I said I was turning 40? I didn't hear the shock and awe yet. I know you thought I was like 29. I used to pride myself on looking young. Now when people, I tell people I'm 39, they're like, that's about right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I've caught up to my age, I guess. All of these days are special, but they will come and go. And we will celebrate and then we will move on. The incredible thing about Easter is that yes, we celebrate it on one day, but the resurrection is not just a one day celebration. It's an everyday reality. And that's number one in your notes. And that's essentially the whole message today. We are still celebrating the resurrection today because we are called to be resurrection people. This is for you. It's one of the reasons I like the liturgical calendar uh, that many people in the church follow all around the world in, in kind of evangelical circles in America. Not many churches follow the liturgical calendar, but we do a few elements of it here at Graceland. We observe Advent leading up to Christmas each year. We observe Lent leading up to Easter. Well, there is a season that begins on Easter called Easter Tide, and it's part of the liturgical calendar, and I love it because it reminds us of this. Let me read a little bit to you about the background. It's the season of the church that begins with Easter and ends with the Feast of Pentecost. 
There are a total of 50 days to this season during which we celebrate the risen Christ. We know from scripture that Jesus appeared, appeared to his disciples and some 500 people after his resurrection and before his ascension. During this time, he spoke peace to his disciples. He opened their minds to the scriptures. He broke bread with them. He gave the great commission. He told them to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He spoke about how they would be clothed with power as witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So I like celebrating Eastertide because it reminds us we're still in the Easter celebration. Isn't that great news? It's not like the one day and then it's this huge drop off. We're not celebrating Easter anymore. Look at Romans 6, 3 through 4. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. That newness of life that the Apostle Paul is talking about right here is the resurrection power life. Number two in your notes, the life we long for is newness of life in Christ. It's a little bit of a recap from last week, but I believe God's vision for you is to walk in the kind of life that you actually long for at the deepest levels. And let me remind you, number three in your notes, newness of life or this life that we've longed for in Christ is best described by the fruit or results of the Holy Spirit. So on Easter, we are celebrating this great salvation and Jesus had also, has also made a way for us to be filled to the full, to the brim, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And these are the results of being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe this list describes the life we most deeply long for. And I believe it helps us change our expectation from the life we long for being an external reality to the life we long for being an internal reality. I pray this, you could ask my, my daughter here, I pray this for my kids usually two times every day in the morning before school and before bed. One of the things I find myself always praying is, Lord, may they be filled with the fruit of your spirit, love joy, peace. And I just list them in the prayer and we talk about it because I believe that for them and for myself, the solution to all our problems, our deepest desires, all our challenges, all our longings are articulated with that list. This is what we most long for. The problem is we look for it in all the wrong places, right? We look for it over there, over here. We look for it sometimes with things that are obviously destroying us, but they're just medicating us for a while. And what we're interested in is stepping into these promises, this fruit of the Spirit in a deeper, more true, authentic way that affects every day of our lives. And the good news is Jesus modeled life in the Spirit perfectly for us. When you read the life of Jesus, you're reading of someone who walked perfectly in all of those fruit, perfect love, perfect joy, perfect peace. That's what he showed us. And then he made a way through the resurrection for us to be filled with that same Holy Spirit. And it, it just begs the question when you really look at it, if this is all true, then why are so many, including Christians, followers of Jesus, not walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit? How come so many of us are grasping for the life we long for and living with deep disappointment and disillusionment? Last Sunday, I talked a little bit about how sin is part of 
what separates us. Sin, sin breaks us from God's vision for our life. It breaks us from the life that we most long for. And Jesus made a way for us to come back to the life we long for through him, this great salvation, forgiveness of our sins. We're celebrating that. But how many of you know, even Christians who have said yes to that message, we've said yes to the good news, we still sometimes can't get ourselves to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody? It's, it's hard. It's sometimes not a reality. Sometimes Christians can seemingly be the angriest ones, the ones with the least self-control. Where's the faithfulness? And, and I just have a, a simple word for us this morning that I believe is from the Lord. It's from his word. And it's this. I believe many of us have simply lost hope for it. We've lost hope because we have failed so many times. We've seen the reality of life. We've seen the, 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 the circumstances come and smack us around just too many times that now we're thinking, man, I'm thankful that part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, but I, I can't really walk in joy. I'm thankful that part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, but goodness, my life has seemed to demonstrate the opposite of self-control, and I just demonstrated that again this morning with how I reacted to somebody. You, you tracking with me? Like we just disappoint ourselves over and over again, we're disappointed by other people, we're disappointed by the circumstances, we can get disappointed by God and we think peace isn't possible, there's too much to be afraid of, there's too much happening in the world, my, my lot in life is to be anxious, you know? Peace is not possible, we, we've lost this sense of hope. When we lose hope, we lose a vision for it. We stop living up to it, we stop pursuing it. When you don't have a vision for something, you're not heading that way anymore. Like you have to, it sounds silly to think about it, but you have to have a vision for dinner to make dinner, right? You gotta be like, okay, here's what I'm gonna make for dinner. Here's my vision. I'm gonna execute the plan. It might be going to McDonald's, but you still had a vision for dinner, <laughs> right? I'm not saying it was a good vision or a bad, you know, but it's like that with the fruit of the spirit and the life we long for. If we lose hope, we start to lose the vision for it and we just start to live hopeless. We just start to live with despair. And then people that have hope start to annoy us. <laughs> people that are filled with faith, they're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. They're like, hey, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna hear this today. Can anybody, I can relate to that. This is what happens. And I wanna give you a few scriptures today that I hope will change your life. These things change my life every day. I'm trying to live into this on how important hope is and how possible it is. Romans 5, one through five. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. That's what we've been celebrating with Easter. Then in verse three, not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character hope. And hope, what does it do? It does not disappoint. Say that with me. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, the definition of tribulation, that's not a word we use often, is a cause of great trouble or suffering. And I know with this many people in a room, there are multiple people in here that are facing tribulations right now. You're facing great suffering, great trouble. And before I preach this message of hope, before I finish this message, I wanna put this idea out there just to begin 
to create this category in your heart. If you're facing great trouble, don't lose heart. Even if you want to, even if it seems hopeless, create a little category in your mind right now where you don't lose heart. The life you long for is still possible. It might not be externally everything you envisioned, but I believe it is internally possible and then will change what is happening externally. I believe that God wants you to learn the kind of hope that never disappoints. Who would be with me and say, I would like to learn that kind of hope? I'm not asking you to actually raise your hand. I'm guessing most hands would go up. If you had a chance to learn the kind of hope that never disappoints, I bet you we would all sign up for it, even if we didn't know what that meant. And I believe to help frame this, what I talked about two weeks ago, I want to remind you, expectations versus expectancy. I believe part of this shift is no longer living a life filled with expectations of God, but great expectancy of God. When we have expectations of God, we have specific things, almost entitlements. God, I wish you would do this for me, and I'm holding to this, and then sometimes it doesn't happen. But when we have great expectancy, it means we just believe God is good. We just believe he loves us, we believe he's powerful, and we believe he's gonna do something even with situations that deeply disappoint us. You see the difference there? And it helps us frame, I believe, a different kind of hope. And the reason we must change our frame is because according to this text, number five in your notes, hope must be developed through tribulations, perseverance, and character. In other words, if we sign up for the class, I wanna learn the hope that never disappoints, The first lesson is tribulations. Welcome to class. Because the scripture said it right there. Look at it, verse three. We celebrate in our tribulations. Why? Because they are the only thing that bring about perseverance. It's like what Winston Churchill said. If you're walking through hell, keep going. If you're in a tribulation, keep moving forward. There's a gift coming through that tribulation and it's called perseverance. Sometimes you can come out of a 10-year season of challenge and suffering and realize, oh my goodness, I, I, I was suffering the past 10 years. Now I come out the other side, I'm still here, and now I've learned perseverance. And then it says perseverance is the only way to get character. I bet we'd all sign up for character. And it says that character is what leads to this hope that does not disappoint. So it leads to this very counterintuitive way for Christians to live. And that is rejoice in the opportunity to develop hope, which will never disappoint. So you might be severely disappointed in your life right now, but I wanna encourage you to rejoice in the opportunity to develop a different kind of hope, a deeper hope, a hope that never disappoints. It changes even how you approach the little things in your day that drive you crazy, right? Maybe you, you come across that person at work that you just always just rubs you the wrong way. And maybe this week you see them and you're like, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to develop hope. Don't say that to the person. But you're like, thank you for this tribulation standing before me, Lord. It might be your boss. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for answering my prayer for hope. Thank you for answering my prayer, God, with this tribulation. I'm not making light of the severe things we go through, but this is how Christians are called to think so incredibly differently. And then we have to ask, and I love this in the text, why does this hope not disappoint? And it tells us in verse five. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So it brings it back 
to the promise of the resurrection through Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which again, the results of the Holy Spirit are this life we long for. So in other words, even in tribulations, you still have hope because you can still walk with peace. Did you know that no one can take it from you? And it doesn't mean you won't go through intense, in, in, immense, I just made up a word, intense. It doesn't mean you won't go through immense suffering and pain, but you can still walk it with peace. Scripture actually talks about a peace that surpasses or transcends understanding. There can be a peace so deep that you don't even get it. I, I, I'm a mess right now, but I have peace in the Lord. And so I don't wish the tribulation on you, but you become untouchable with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? This is this vision that God has for us. It gets even better. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? A living hope. We just sang about it. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is telling us that hope is actually alive. It's a living hope because the living hope is Jesus. And get this phrase in your head. You might just need to get your hope right. We get our hope wrong a lot, and that's why we live so disappointed. If you're hoping that you're going to get everything right, oh man, get ready for a terrible life. If you're hoping that people are going to never let you down, get ready for just a, the worst life ever. You know why? Because everyone will let you down. I saw an Instagram of a a guy that I, was a senior in college when I was a freshman. So he was like the big boy on campus when I got there. And I, I didn't, don't even know him that well, but I looked up to him. I haven't thought of him in 10 or 15 years, and I came across his Instagram. He's a pastor, traveled the world as an evangelist, church planner. I, I was encouraged by his Instagram. He was talking about his family, and, and I was like, oh, this is great. I felt encouraged and lifted uh, by just seeing that. You know, sometimes Instagram does the opposite, you know, but I felt lifted by seeing this guy. But then when I thought about it later that night, God was just gently reminding me again, it's great to feel encouraged by that guy, but don't place any of your hope on how he's doing. You know how we can do that with people? There was another guy who was a senior, a friend of this guy when I was a freshman that I also looked up to, who has now lost everything in his life. He, he totally turned away from the Lord. He's, be, he's not in a good place right now. There's even still hope for him, but he's not saying yes to it right now. And if my hope would have been in that guy, I'd be in shambles, right? And don't put your hope in the person sitting next to you. Don't put your hope in me. Don't put your hope in a TV preacher. Don't put your hope in a boss or a new job. Don't put your hope in the promotion. Don't put your hope in external circumstances. Don't put your hope in any person. This sounds really negative, but it's actually good news. Every person will let you down. Just, just sit with it. But we have this living hope, this hero, this Jesus, in which we all have access, and we are all the same at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Like there is zero hierarchy in the kingdom of God. I am right with you on my face before Jesus. And we are saying, you are the hero. You are our living hope. You are the one who cannot, will not, is incapable of disappointing. He's lived this perfectly and he's invited us into life with him, resurrection power and in the spirit. And so we need to get our hope right. If you get your hope right, your hope can never die because our hope has already conquered death and is alive. That's the Easter message. When Jesus is your living hope, your hope can never die. It conquered sin, death, and the grave. You just might need to start saying to yourself, oh, I'm gonna make it. Oh, there is no chance that my life ends up 
with me not flourishing and serving the Lord. I have hope that I will make it. That might sound foreign because sometimes our internal dialogue can be so negative. Anybody tracking with me? I want to encourage you to develop the kind of hope in the way that you speak to yourself that you understand. Man, this circumstance might drive me crazy. It's like the enemy who is the father of lies, the scripture says. We have an enemy who hates us, who wants to destroy you. He will try to convince you that situations are so impossible and so bad that there is no hope for you. And that's when you want to quit. And that's when you want to go like self-medicate in some other way. That's when you just start trying to make it through. I want to encourage you to get your hopes up with the hope that will never die. And we're going to do a great celebration as we all respond to this together. And by the way, we have people signed up for baptisms. One family came under the weather, so I don't know if they made it. But we have 12 baptisms planned that we're going to do right now. The team is going to start to come. The kids are going to come down and join us here shortly. Our elementary kids, since some of them are getting baptized, they're going to come and pile in over here. So you guys that are sitting here can stay, but a bunch of kids are about to come in and pile up in front of you. They're going to be like sitting on your feet. Just, just roll with it. They're going to come down in a minute. Oscar, you can tell them to start making their way. But I want to tell you, if, if you're a new Christian or if you want to become a Christian today, or if you've not been baptized, we have purchased shirts and shorts in every size imaginable and extra towels so you can get baptized today spontaneously if you want to. So if that's you, start thinking about it. We will baptize you right now, even if you haven't planned on it. And I want to show you what baptism really means. We have this certificate that shows the command. This one's going to go to Mason Hendricks here in a little bit. And it, the Great Commission says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the command where Jesus told us what to do. And so we are literally obeying the great commission of Jesus by making disciples. That's what we're all about here at Graceland Church and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's give Randy a hand as he gets our <laughs> baptismal set up. <laughs> at least I think it's Randy back there. I don't know who it is. Oh, it is Randy. Hey, Randy. So we leave that on until the last minute so it stays nice and warm. And everyone that's getting baptized can say, thank you. Amen. It's warm. Um, we have the electronics unplugged, so don't worry about that. And it would be safe anyway. It's designed to stay plugged in. Uh, once the kids get in here, I want you guys to give a big hand as they walk in. And they're going to come sit. And then I'm going to explain a little bit more about what baptism means. And we're going to celebrate together. And while they come, I'm going to pray. Would you join me? Bow your heart. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Lord, we sit uh, in your presence amazed today at the hope of the resurrection, the new life that you've offered us. And I'm just thinking about the fact that there might be people here that just don't know you. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to pray in your heart with me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything. You don't even have to tell me, though I'd love for you to let us know so we can walk with you. But just pray, Lord, I want to know you, Jesus. I don't understand fully what this is. I don't understand even why my heart is on fire right now. I don't understand what you're even calling me to, but I want to say yes to you, Lord. I ask for forgiveness for the ways that I have fallen short, for my sin. I ask for forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me, for giving me a new start, for offering me total 
forgiveness, new mercy, new grace. I commit my life to you for the rest of my days. And I ask that you will lead me in the way everlasting. And maybe you're here and you're just one that is feeling hopeless. You might not feel totally hopeless, but you might have like three or four things in your life that when they come up, you're just crushed. Lord, I pray for those people. I pray that they'll get into their mind those things that feel like walls to them, impossibilities. And I pray that you will begin to rewrite that story. I pray that they will no longer believe the narrative that they cannot make it through this. I pray there will be a new story that they will accept about them that they can make it that they can have hope that is unshakable hope that can never be killed because it is a living hope. And even if learning this hope has begun for them with great tribulation, I pray that they will learn to rejoice in that because they'll learn perseverance, they'll learn character, and they'll learn hope that does not disappoint. So if that's you, just say yes in your heart with me. I say yes to it, Lord. Help me in the midst of tribulation. Help me in the midst of learning to persevere. Give me this character that you've called me to. Teach me this hope that doesn't disappoint. And maybe you're just like, that fruit of the spirit list sounds amazing. I want more of that. Just pray with me. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, afresh, anew. Fill me for, with, the, with your spirit for the first time. God, I want to walk in this reality. I want to say yes to all that you have for me. Rewrite the vision for my life, God. I want to have the vision for this list. And then everything else, I believe, will, will, will come in time. Whatever your will, your way, your timing is for my life, I pray that you'll allow me to walk in peace with it, joy with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So we'll be doing baptisms again probably really soon uh, because of the one family, the Willis family, that will we'll do it. Uh, I'm not sure what week, but let us know if you want to get baptized, and we'll baptize you. I encourage you to prioritize connecting with the church family. No one else can do it but you. Um, come connect with us. Get involved in a team. We're going to have a community group Sunday coming up where you can join uh, one of our groups, and they'll be going into a summer season. Come to Newcomers Connect. Whatever it is, part of walking in this hope is connection with the church family. I'm going to pray a benediction over us, then we'll be dismissed. It's out of Romans 15, 13, and it just confirms everything we've talked about this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.